0: We're back after a whirlwind at 2020 with our first edition of 2021. It is the AFLW edition to kick us off. I've already got a couple of special guests in a pipeline in the next couple of weeks. We'll hear from Nick Del Santo as the first of our feature interviews for the year. But very shortly, Peter Searle will join us as we are in the week. The AFLW season does begin with St Kilda taking on the Western Bulldogs. We do thank you. For your support over the first two seasons, and we look forward to a big third season. It was great to ride the wave with St Kilda through to a drought-breaking finals appearance in 2020. Despite a, a pretty tough fixture on paper, certainly some some confidence around for the year ahead. But uh, talking about the girls, first of all, and a season of promise to begin for them. And plenty of injuries haunted them last year. And, and early stages this year, it's a bit of a worry with a few more niggles as well. But with fingers crossed they can stay fit. We'll welcome the panel once again, Nick. Nice to have you with us and gearing up for uh, good to have some footy back this weekend at the spiritual heartlands.
1: Yeah, thanks, mate. It's good to be back. It's um, it's great to be talking about footy again. It feels like it's it's been a while, even though it hasn't really since you know it was a late end to, to last season to the to the men's season anyway. Um, but yeah, really looking forward to the, the the girls playing again. It was really exciting to watch them go around for the first time last season, especially getting to see some footy at Morabin again, and um, really looking forward to, to this week, Friday night, at, uh, at Morabbin again. Um, but yeah, really, really looking forward to it. It's, it's good to talk footy again.
0: H, um, yeah, I mean, we, we've been to Moorabbin a couple of times for for bits and pieces. The practice match last year against Toulson, I don't know about you, but that was the last time I saw a sporting event live, so uh, it shows how uh, how tough it's been.
2: Yeah, it uh, was yeah, our last time that we saw anything in the flesh, I guess. And yeah, it's been the longest short off season ever. It's, um, yeah, it just, just feels like it has dragged on and on and on, despite the fact that it, in all honesty, the time's actually vanished, but it's, it just feels so long ago. Cause just that don't have that getting to the game. But I think that's why it's felt like it's been so long for us to actually, we've done anything, but yeah, well, hopefully gates will start opening up this year and we'll be able to, well, we've seen a big crowd tonight out at, um, I think it was, was it a Princess Park tonight? The game? Uh,
0: yeah. Yes, it was. Yeah.
2: Um, yep. Big crowd out there tonight, so that's great signs for the season ahead. And hopefully, yeah, we can once again all get to the game together.
0: Yeah, it certainly gets us up and about knowing that, um, you know, it, it's not too far away from having all of it back and, and being able to see the people that you normally see when you go to the footy and, and just enjoying that company and, and a sense of, of normality. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm very much looking forward to that. And I'm looking forward to seeing how they go as well, obviously with a slightly longer fixture and a bit of a traditional look to the fixture where you're playing games at, uh, you know, Princess Park in Moorabbin and Moorabbin and venues like that over the last couple of years, which is a real throwback to when we were kids. And, and of course, the men's team will play West Coast over in the West and, and Geelong at Moorabbin in what I think is a double header with the AFL W2, which is... Fantastic, but uh, we will jump. We'll analyse that a little bit more shortly. But uh, we'll hear from our very first uh, special guest. And very good to hear from her. A night out from our first game. It is the AFLW coach of the Saints, Peter Sell.
3: This will absolutely bring the Maravan crowd to their feet. She's launched wow. it in an absolute oh, oh, monster. Oh, look at that! Oh. Oh. Five the drink G train, like the old days of the gone bang. on
0: well, the eve of St Kilda's second AFLW campaign, we are joined by the background, and, and obviously, coaching over the last uh, 10 or so years uh, was. Uh, the first uh, female to join the coaching ranks at Port Melbourne for a while under Gary Ayres then joined St Kilda in 2014 and there were uh, a few more obvious choices I think within the AFLW program as to who would get a coaching gig. Uh, then Peter uh, taking on the reins at St Kilda and uh, Peter thank you very much and, and good luck for another campaign.
3: Yeah thank you. Um, it's you know great to be here, it's great to be playing footy again. I mean um, we spoke to the girls the other night about, you know, it's only two months ago, we weren't, weren't sure that we're going to get a season up and going. So, to be able to run out and run out on the rabbin, uh, you know, it's it's pretty surreal for them again.
0: So, how did how was the feeling out of last season? I guess looking back, I mean, we know the season was cut short, which was unfortunate, but. For us, it, it wouldn't have mattered too much in terms of finals. But the year itself, I mean, I, I kind of look at the Bulldogs game last year where we probably got jumped early and then were really competitive. We were outstanding against Melbourne, stiff to lose to Fremantle, beat Richmond, and were really competitive the whole way through. As coach, how did you feel about campaign number one?
3: Yeah, look, it was it was a positive start. Um, obviously, you'd like to, to get a few more wins when you're that close. Um, you know, when you nearly knock off Fremantle and – even Carlton, who probably was a team that comprehensively beat us, you know, I think we had the first three scoring shots in the last quarter and, and kicked points in those three scoring shots. So, you know, in women's footy, that, you know, those three points become three goals and it's a different game. So, yeah, I think, um, you know, we, we we didn't set out to a win-loss ratio or anything like that, but um, obviously our process and, and who we want to stand for and the way we want to play was really important. And we felt that um, our game style, when we Play it our way um, is quite productive, but we needed to play it our way for a lot longer.
1: Peter, so was that one of the focuses through the off-season and this, this new pre-season was to focus on playing our way even more? And, and how do you go about that with, with such a young group?
3: Yeah, there wasn't much of a focus off-season, to be honest. <laughs> you know, 111 days in lockdown, um, the focus was, was making sure the girls were physically and, and mentally... Um, connected and engaged. So, um, you know, and, and and I think that definitely will hurt us being a young side uh, would have been great to, to have the VFL. And just in terms of physical touch point as well, um, you know, we're, we've sustained a few soft tissue injuries in the last few weeks, which is not great. And my gut feeling is, is, you know, if we had that touch physical touch point with them throughout the VFL season or the winter that we, that, we wouldn't have sustained those injuries. So, um, but definitely in the pre-season it's been a massive focus. Uh, we heavily reviewed what we need to get better at and, and then gone, gone ahead and trained it. And, you know, you know, I, I think, um, pre-Christmas we were absolutely flying, uh, again, after Christmas the break and then going back into small groups was probably a little bit difficult for the girls, but, um, you know, we're, our game plan and, and our ability to do the things that we want to do without giving too much away has certainly improved from last year. Um, we just hope that, you know, you, you, you work on one thing and that gets better and hope that the, the stuff that we're good at continues to grow. But, um, the girls are definitely uh, in a better space this time than they were last time.
2: I was going to run a little comparison this year to last year, obviously two very different pre-seasons. First preseason last year, the hype of the team, what's coming up, that sort of thing. This year, the whole we've been locked down. It's been a it's just a drag of an off season and everything. Has, has anything sort of carried over from the last preseason? Have you tried to keep a few things the same, or have you just gone, No, nope, we've got to do everything different this year, try something completely new? Or it, it, have you tried to just keep it more consistent? So, how have you gone into it?
3: Yeah, no, I mean you try and keep things as, as, as stable as you can in, in such an unstable environment, which uh, last year was, and, and footy is, but having said that, you've also got to be able to be, you know, adaptable and, you know, I know that's the key word of COVID, but that's the key word of sport in general. Um, so you've always got to be building resilience to, to change and grow and, and, and develop on the spot. So, you know, uh, there's certain things that were forced on us, um, which is the small groups and training small groups and, you know, we felt that for a period of time, that was quite advantageous. And I think to answer your question will be, what does pre-season look like next year? Having had a, a you know, a normal pre-season of footy, then having a, a pre-season COVID footy. So what what were the gains out of COVID? Um, that we can input into our into our normal preseason. And I think that will be, you know, the interesting question um, in, in terms of our you know third year preseason. Because there were certainly some things which were beneficial and there were some things that, that weren't. So how do we get the best of both worlds um, for next year?
0: Spoke to Nathan Burke last week uh, in another role just about how he was preparing for coaching against his own daughter in the other game. Uh, Obviously you're on the foot of of feeling about playing against the old man.
3: Yeah. Yeah. He was um, pretty confident Alice was going to get a game. (laughs) um,
0: I think he said he'd tag her actually.
3: (laughs) Yeah. Look, we really don't go down that path much with um, Alice. We let her develop her own self and be her own person. Um, and, and she certainly is, she's, it's great to, you know, she's got such a supportive father uh, and family, you know, obviously Nathan was at our season launch. So it was good to, uh, you know, to give a speech and to be able to, you know, throw, throw a few cheeky banters at him. But, um, yeah, look, Alice, Alice is, you know, quite independent and capable young lady. So she'll go amongst, it's probably Nathan that will probably feel it more than Alice. Um, you know, as parents, you tend to feel your kids a lot more and, and be a bit more emotionally invested than I think the kids are with their parents. Mm-hmm. So, um, but look, you know, Nathan's been involved in footy and, and he'll be hoping obviously to get a win and we'll be hoping to get a win. But um, I'm sure that, you know, if, if we walk away with the win, he, he'd be happy for Alice.
1: Pete, you mentioned a few injuries over the the last couple of weeks. Obviously, we saw Bianca Jacobson go down with a collarbone a, a week or two ago, uh, and then just before we we started doing this interview, uh, we heard about Nick Zenos and her ACL. How how are those two specifically, and, and and Tani White coming off off her ACL last season, and how is the general shape and morale of the squad?
3: The shape and morale is fantastic. Um, they they really. I couldn't ask for thirty better human beings. Uh, their support, care, um, empathy, and feel for each other is is next to none. Like a- anyone that that spends a little bit of time with that group, just walk away and are just amazed by the type of people that we have. So the morale's morale's really good. I mean, last night was was difficult. We're, we're not going to deny that. Um, you know, it it was. Tough to see Nicola go down. She's had a massive preseason. She's been probably one of the biggest um, improvers uh, in the preseason, and we're really looking forward to, to seeing her take. She she would have you know really stepped up and, and light the stage this year. So, you know, of course, the girls feel feel for that. But um, you know, there's this thing about a twenty four hour rule where you get to you know you get to indulge in, in, in what it feels like and, and your empathy, but then you've also got to understand that you've got a job and and they know that there's a job at hand and, and they know that the best thing to do for anyone that's injured um, is, to, is to go out and compete to the best of their ability. And, and that's where their mindset is now. And um, to answer your question about BJ, I, I'm, I'm astounded. She's already on the training track, running laps, kicking the footy, um, you know the balls got to be kicked directly out of the the, the strength and conditioning coach. You know, not too much with it with the arms, but uh, just I said to her, I said to her, "Doesn't that hurt?" And she goes, "Yeah, it hurts, but you know, I've got a metal plate in it, so no more damage can be done." So this is just the type of people you're dealing with. So I think BJ will be back hopefully by about round three. Um, Molly Molly was um, a bit stiff to, to miss this week. She's, she's got a bit of a quaddie, quad quad. Tear, but it's pretty minor um and i think uh lives the one who's is struggling a little bit to, to um to get her body sorted but um you know we you know we get behind her we get to support them i, I think the, the beautiful thing is issues is, is we've got good depth and uh we got giving opportunity you know we play five debutantes tomorrow you know, um, that's exciting for them. It's exciting for the club long-term to be able to potentially accelerate their learning um, is really going to place us in a good situation down the track.
2: So we hear it every pre-season. This player's flying, that player's is flying. Is there anyone who has returned and you've just gone, wow, where's this come from? Have they, They've they just torn the track up and you're thinking, okay, that that's someone who's going to really help us this year, lead us through, hopefully, as I say, pick up a few more wins this year. And
3: Definitely. Make, make
2: make finals or yeah
3: yeah definitely not so much of wow where this has come from because you know you know when, when you recruit them you see the potential of where they can go um so the fact that they're starting to develop that potential is, is, is exciting and, and nickel is definitely one of those people Tony's um come back looking you know training the house down she's looking a million dollars her attack and her ferociousness on the footy and her speed and her competitiveness—it um, looks like she's never missed a beat. So, you know, it's it's good to have Tiny back and and Nadia obviously to to get back both of them to get back from their ACLs and ready to go first round is a real credit to them and the medical staff. I, you know, I think there's been different people at different times step up. Um, Kate sheila's looked impressive. Um, also, uh, Tiana Smith, the young um, girl from Daniel on Stingray, she, she's going to be, uh, you know, she's going to be a superstar. You know, she's just really found a place. There's no no um, second guessing whether, you know, the step up from NAB to AFLW is going to get in the way. She's um she's certainly making an impact on our footy field. So we're really excited to see how she goes. And, you know, young Berkey um, herself, you know, physically, you know, really strong in the air and competing. It's really well on the ground so look it, it's just not so much I think everyone's just grown everyone's grown that little bit more as you'd expect from a young group and um you know I thought Georgia's practice match against Carlton um uh, in terms of the defensive side was the best I've ever seen um you know she was ferocious her tackling she came off and said oh, I don't think I've ever laid that many tackles so you know starting to get that really good balance in her game so I, I think you know everyone's just just improved, which is which, which is what you hope for as a coach.
0: Final one for me, I guess looking at some comparison between years, I imagine 12 months ago at Moorabbin, for somebody like you and for a lot of people it would have been, geez, look how far we've come and, and here I am coaching St Kilda at Moorabbin, big crowd and spiritual heartland, look at this. But I, I would imagine tomorrow night there'd be a bit of that too, but for different reasons. We'd look at the last 12 months and how tough it's been for everybody Back at the footy with crowds and killed us back at Morabit, and again, we're probably thinking, Look how far we
3: Yeah, I, I mentioned, uh, I think in my starting speech at the season launch, I you know, and and I really sincerely believe this is that, um, I, I virtually thanked um, the supporters, the fans, uh, mentors, everybody who's um, basically been stuck in Melbourne that has done the right thing. I mean. It's, it's really because of that that we're actually able to play football again. It's because of all the, I guess, the hardships and enduring times that some people have spent in that 111 days that has enabled our girls to go out and, and play the game that they love to play. And, and they know that and they feel that and they're grateful for that. And, um, you know, it's not now just bringing football back to Moorabbin. It's it's bringing football back to Victoria and bring football back to Victoria for people to watch. And, you know, that's that's the thing that, they know and are excited about and, you know, they just can't wait to get on the, on the track. And I guess thank everybody by, I guess, you know, the way they go about it and their performance that they deliver on.
1: Pete, obviously this is an AFLW episode of this podcast. so I don't want to talk about the men's team much at all, but there was an article in the age this morning about Tani White and and her doing her ACL last season and the reaction from Jaron Geary and, and from the guys, on that day and following what's the relationship like between the women's program and the men's program. Is there any crossover in coaching or strategy or your skills levels and that sort of stuff?
3: Yeah, uh, absolutely. Last year, um, the crossover was enormous. Uh, The integration between the two programs was genuine and, um, and natural. Uh, There was certainly a crossover. I mean, I've been involved in the men's coaching department for four years. So the relationships that I have with the men uh, the male coaches is, you know, we, we often discuss things. Uh, Rats will come over to me and I'll go over to him uh, or I'll speak to scrub or, you know, there's, you know, there's always a crossover of information. Uh, Last year, the girls, you know, if they were in at the club in the day, they were allowed to sit on the men's meetings. Uh, You know, they were in the club during the day if they were able to, Uh, you know, there'd be times in the basketball courts where, You know, the guys would be up one end kicking the ball and the girls would be down the other. Or There'd be times when I walk in and there's a guy and a female player kicking the ball with each other. So it was really, uh, I think, one of the positive stories of our AFLW side. Uh, And unfortunately, the hard thing is is COVID has taken all that away uh, in terms of keeping programs separate, in terms of... um, you know, just, I guess, what is it, um, sanitising really the whole situation. So that is something that we, honestly, we do grief, um, but we understand. And we really, as a club, look forward to the time where, you know, we can get back together to, to, to what and, and keep building, I guess, on the positive relations that we had between both groups from last year. But on a, on a real good note is that Luigi Dunstan uh, has, has joined our coaching staff and uh, he'll be assisting with the mids. So, you know, and, and he's just a ripper of a guy. I mean, he, you know, he, he had his first session last night, um, you know, and straight away, you know, he's on the phone the next day, how's Nicola, how's Nicola, you know, so already heavily invested. And um, so that, that will be really beneficial for, for both programs as well.
1: So are we, are we blaming Luke Dunstan for the knee injury, new training methods?
3: No, not at all. <laughs> <laughs> no.
1: uh, as
2: we've said, we've had a bit of downtime. Have you sat down a few times and sort of thought about what is it I'm going to say in this last speech before the players round the field the first time for the season ahead? Or is there any little insight you can give us to what maybe something, or are you just going to completely wing the whole thing and just go – yep get out there
3: yeah uh i I won't be talking much about footy because i think we've talked about footy for the last three months so i try and keep game day pretty simple in terms of you know we've done all the education and just let them play uh i think my message tomorrow will be strongly about them as you know it'll be you as a person and you as a footballer and and you know, I guess how I get how inspired I am of them. I mean, you know, it's just the challenges that a lot of these uh, players face, and you know, everyone has different challenges, whether it's work, physical, whether it's confidence, whether it's relationships. But you know, they deal with it all day, every day, and then they rock up, you know, four or five times a week, and and just get to work, you know, in an elite environment. It's 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 inspirational and it's impressive, and you know. I'm going to talk to them about that. I'm going to talk to them about what that means and and, and what it means to be able to, you know, take that onto the field and, and galvanise what that is on the field so they can perform to the best of their ability.
0: Peter, good luck. Uh, we're certainly with you all the way. It gets underway uh, against the Western Bulldogs uh, tomorrow night at Moorabbin. Uh, go well and it's, it's fantastic to have it back and we appreciate your time with us uh, this week. Thank you very much. Peter Searle there, and Nick. Before we jump into some of our questions, how are your, your confidence levels? I think the group should be fairly, fairly comfortable in their belief that uh, they they are capable of playing finals. Who knows about say going all the way, but but they should expect to be fairly competitive.
1: Yeah, I mean they shot enough last season to, to show that they're competitive. I mean, I think what did they what did their season win loss record end up at two and four? I think it was. But you know, we we spoke about the one point loss as well. That's the one. We, we spoke a little bit off air just, just before we spoke to, to Peter Searle and, and they were really competitive in a lot of those losses as well. And that starts with with the round one clash against the Dogs last season. I think we kicked two or three points to start the game and, and we start off really positively. Uh, we played really good, attractive offensive football and, and just couldn't capitalize kicking goals. And and then the Bulldogs went in the second half of that first quarter and, and early in the second and, and went bang, bang, bang and kicked three straight. All of a sudden the game was over from, from our perspective. But you know, we were really competitive. We showed a lot of heart, a lot of guts. We showed a lot of skill. And, and I, I still fall back to the, the point that I think we were one of the most skillful teams in the AFLW last season in the way that we moved the ball and, and played offensive football. Um, and now I think with a little bit more experience and, and wiser heads and, and having done it once. You know, last season was a really exciting, hyped up period, especially those early weeks of the first season of, of St Kilda women's football and playing at Moorabbin again and, and all that sort of stuff. There was a lot of emotion, a lot of hype and excitement. And this season is a little bit more laid back, a little bit more comfortable. They've already done it once. It's not as historic. It's not as record breaking as, as it was. And now they can just concentrate on the footy. And, and I think that, you know, another season in, this team should be looking to win every game of football. Um, it, it's not They're not making up the numbers. They're not there to, to just, you know, be a, a training run and they're not a guaranteed loss. They showed that last season. Um, they should be looking to win every game. And, and I certainly think that they should be playing finals footy this season.
2: And, yeah, definitely when you look back at it too, they had the close loss against Adelaide, which you almost go, it, it's a match that probably should have should been have won. won inexperience. At the end, basically, Adelaide being the team they are, ran over top of them and took the points away. But uh, that's a game that you go, uh, another. if, say, the same situation this year, they hold on. It, it's, they know what they're doing. They work as a team better now. The, the, they hold on to that and keep the four points. Um, and I, I think it was Fremantle, the other yeah. team, that had yeah, they had a very close loss to as well. As well. And, um, so you're looking at the losses. They were against teams that mm-hmm. right up there. So it wasn't as if we've lost to uh, teams around the same area or down below us. They were they were teams who were right up towards the top there. Um, so it could be the fact that it was a, maybe a difficult draw, but yeah, they showed they could definitely be amongst amongst the best.
0: So just on the AFLW, before we wrap things up, we had uh, Damn Daniel, you fly at Damn Daniel, you fly asking the question for each of us around the AFLW that are a breakout player for the year game. You're most looking forward to a best fantasy options, end of season MVP and best traded in or drafted player. Uh, looking over the the game I'm most looking forward to is Collingwood at Moorabbin. I think just for the tradition around that, I know there's some pretty good fixtures in and around that, even getting out to Arden street. I mean, I've, I've been big on those types of venues and, getting to see uh, those types of things. Um, in terms of breakout player, it wouldn't be a breakout role, but, but really keen to see how um, uh, Georgia Petrikios goes in season number two and uh, obviously continuing to get that level of attention that she's been able to generate uh, over the course of the season. I, I would imagine that she would probably go pretty close to being the, uh, the end-of-season uh, MVP Uh, as well over the course of the journey. Um, I have got, in terms of the best fantasy options, it's not hugely my domain. I must admit I haven't played uh, fantasy football even in the men's space for probably seven or eight years. It'd be going back uh, around about that that far for me. And it's interesting that the best traded in or or drafted player, if you look back at our first season uh, in this competition where the list was largely built off the back of... A, draft, but also off B, the the VFLW talent along the way. That That's changed a little bit going into this second season in the in the competition with, you know, the emergence of players like um, Nat Exxon and, and those types of players as well. It's a, it's a general sort of overview as well, but I was really keen to see how Bianca Jacobson went, obviously just prior to her injury as well. Uh, Jade Van Dyke coming across to bolster the defence from Carlton is probably the one that I, I'd... Put towards the, the top of that echelon at the moment for me and i think that covers most of it nick uh, which way are you looking
1: yeah i'm pretty similar i mean it's, it's pretty hard to go past georgia patrikios as, as a breakout player and like you said it's not even a breakout player because she was phenomenal last season um but i think you know if you if you go in, in a natural trend upwards from from the way that she played in her debut season that that she's kind of the, the most dominant player in, in the middle of the ground for us. And, and you know, I think that she'll have a huge impact. And, and like you said, has to be the, the obvious choice for the end of season MVP, um, uh, for the AFLW squad, the game most looking forward to, I've got to say is, is this week. I, I think, you know, it's been a long time since we've seen footy and, and seen live footy. You mentioned before that the, the last game that you guys were at of, of any type of sport was that, that preseason game at Moorabbin against Hawthorne. The last, Sporting action that I saw was uh, was the week before that the the AFLW is the Bulldogs at Marrabin, so it's been it's been a very long time since live sport. I'm looking forward to, to Friday night at, at Um Yeah, best fantasy option. Uh, I mean, it's, it's got to be the ball winners, doesn't it? it's it got to be the, the the girls that are going to get their hands on the ball and 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 uh, have the most disposals. And again, you're looking at, at girls like Georgia Petrikios uh, at um, Nat Exxon. Um, I think Nicola Zenos would have been in that category had she not done her ACL yesterday. Um, so that that's that's obviously a, a really tough blow for, for the squad. But I think, again, it's got to be Petrikios. Uh, best traded in or drafted player to look out for. It's hard to go past the, the our, our number one draft pick. I think she was pick six in the draft, Tyana Smith, I think it was. And and Peter Searle said that she's flying and and she's going to be a star. So definitely keep an eye on her. Um, Jade Voigt, who's the, the ex-Melbourne Victory player in, in the... A League W, um, that's going to be a really interesting one. You heard Peter Searle speak a, a week or so ago about the impact that she's had on the squad in terms of the professionalism and the way that she attacks the ball and the contest, and, and even the fact that she's going to make a difference in, in the forward line uh, makes me think that, that she's going to have a real impact. So that's probably it for me. H, what about you?
2: Um, I mean, it's got to be pretty similar. I think if you had a dance, its dances basically the same. I'm thinking tomorrow night's going to be a big one. I mean, first of all, you got. Burke vs. Burke. That that that's a big thing for the club. When he's a huge part of our history. So and yeah, getting our first father daughter out on the field. Um, I mean, oh, I get a feeling there might there could be a couple more coming through soon. I think the from a few of the other players from the, at the same time. But yeah, she's their first, and um, yeah, be hopefully hopefully get she can get one up on the old man and um going with the win first week. Uh, as as you're saying, the breakout. I think from what you're hearing, Petricios on the training on the training pad, it's been absolutely killing it. So I, you can have a breakout from your breakout. I think so. I think that's I think look out for her. So we and that virtually makes her a lock for your fantasy. But I, I was going to say if if she wasn't injured or well, if you can I guess wait. Um, Liv Estley is probably one to jump on because she gets that ball inside, and so she gets it, gets a bit of it in there. Um,
1: Our first probably. ever AFLW guest on Unplug it as well.
2: Yep, yep. Um, so she'd be worth looking at when she's back from injury, definitely. Um, but yeah, I, and best the best trader in play. I mean, let let us let's, let's go with Alice Burkers and hope she has a massive year.
0: As we said, Nick, they'll to join us in the next couple of weeks. Uh, if you have any nominations, we always welcome those on socials, uh, on our Unplugged Twitter and Facebook channels. If there's past players that we haven't interviewed yet that you'd like to hear from, we know there are some obvious ones like Plugger and, and people like that that uh, we are very much gunning for. But any out of left field, for example, a Stephen Ziller type player, uh, those sorts of things, if you have any of those types of nominations, make sure you send them through to us. But some listener to questions to us. Uh, finish off with this week. Uh, One here that requires a bit of thought from Greg Francis, which I'll get to in a minute, but Shay Williams, a good friend of the program, says, thoughts on the captaincy leadership group, but will still be captain. Uh, there are quite a few questions there for Shea, but that's the main one. Um, I don't think Steele will be captain yet, but he will be our next captain, I would think, without too much doubt. Um, I think Geary leading a club into a finals campaign and the way he played that first final against the Bulldogs is, is still the best man to lead the group.
2: I think I think so. And it's the players who vote him in as well. They, Each year... Asking him to be captain for them—that they're, they're the ones that are saying we want you captaining our team. Um, it, it's clearly shown that, obviously, whatever he's doing, whether I mean, we know he's not the most skillful player on the field. That that that's as clear as day. But he probably throws himself at the ball harder than any player out there. He 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 puts his body on the line every week for the club, and the inspiration that he gives—it's probably worth more than. I know, say another five kicks that hit a target he's he's bringing the team along with him and just just showing the players hey let i've got belief in you follow me we'll we can do this together basically i'm doing this follow me it's 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 quite evident week in week out that's exactly what he's basically saying to the players and it's more i guess um it's not by, it's not a verbal thing. It's a visual thing.
1: You're right. And, and I think it's a really good point that you make that, you know, there's a lot of people on, on social media and, and fans of the club, or whatever that ask, why is Jaron Geary the captain when he's not even necessarily even in, in the best 22. And it's not, it's never been about skill level. Like you said, it's never been about him being the best player. It's never even been about him being the best, you know, vocal, or most vocal leader on the field, but it's, it's the way that he leads the club with his inspiration, with his actions on, on and off field. And, and you're hundred percent right he's the guy that the playing group and the coaching group nominate and and vote to be captain it's not like it's not like there were other there were plenty of other options but the the players voted him in that's who the group want as captain um, and, and you can't argue with that
0: yeah make that spot on Um Here's Timmy with a question that gets asked a lot: Is Sebros best 22 and his Higgins in the starting eight? And yeah, I think Sebros is clearly yes. There's been other midfielders like Crouch that, that play that sort of role, but but Seb Ross, I think he was terrific in the final series. He struggled a bit over the course of the year, and ball use isn't the absolute key. But if you can play him in a half negating role, half ball winning role, he's too good a player not to be playing in, in an AFL side, and and he, he's certainly got a role to play within our team. and Jack Higgins, I think, would definitely be starting 18. I think having he and Gresham that can play sort of pinch-hitting through the middle but can also go forward and be dangerous in the same team is really important when you've got guys like Butler and, and potentially Loney running around as small. So, um, yeah, I think there's there's very little doubt about either of those two points.
2: Um, yeah, I, I think Ross, I'm still thinking he's still finding his position. It, it... The changing coach, I think, is starting to realize what he's there for, what what he can do best, what is what what his best position is for the team rather than himself. I think he got a lot of loose ball under Richardson, and he yeah he didn't use it great and that sort of thing. I think I think Ratton's looked at him going, no, no this is what I want you doing." And he, he sort of molded it throughout the year, and towards the end of the year, at the end of the year, as you're saying, he, his position was great. He, the what he was doing for the team, he, negating a, say, a, 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 one of the opposition's midfielders, uh, and winning his own ball at the same time. So he, I think he's look out for this year to play a similar role, and I think he's going to start figuring it out a bit better than what he was.
1: Well, I think we heard heard Brad Crouch speak a couple of weeks ago about. Those midfield guys that are uh, have, you know, historically used to being in the in the trenches and in the clinches, getting the hard ball, you know, the, those contested ball winners, trying to find other avenues to to being um, in the squad each week, and, and talking about how Crouch himself might play some games off half back or you know, in the forward line or on the wing, even. And I think the same is, is going to be said about guys like Seb Ross. I mean, we saw in uh, in Rat's first couple of games when he took over from um, from uh, Richo in 2019 that, uh, you know, he, he was played across half forward at times and, and had an impact. He was able to win the ball in the forward line, keep the ball there. He's, his, his forward pressure was good. He was able to snag a few goals here and there, and, and he can be really dangerous. So I think we'll see Seb Ross, you know, potentially across half back, maybe even on the wing in, in some occasions um, and across half forward as well. Maybe even pinch hitting out of the goal square at times because he can be a, a physical presence. He's a big body, he's got big shoulders, and can hold his own in a contest that we might see him at ground level. You know, provide one of those ground level forward pressure type option forward um, at times throughout the season as well. But I, I certainly think that Sebros is still in our best twenty-two. He might not get the, the game time in the minutes that he's been used to over the last probably six or seven years, but um, you know that that speaks to a lot more about our depth than it does about you know any of his abilities. I think.
0: Last couple before we um, wrap it up for this week. Uh, one around Jimmy Webster being potentially best 22 from Cozy 7, or Cozy 7, C-O-S-I-E 7. Um, probably depends on Hunter Clark going into the middle. That would open up another spot defensively, which Webster could potentially provide. Um, but, yeah, I mean, at this stage, he's probably been squeezed out by – Caulfield and Patton and and those types of players. But Hunter Clark making a move into the middle might potentially change that a little bit for him. And and Greg Francis asks, sort of putting us all on the spot, best starting midfield, including wings, that's where it gets a little bit tricky. I mean, off the top of my head, without researching that too much, I'd be thinking uh, the three in the centre with Marshall would be, or with Marshall or Ryder, would be Steele, uh, Steel, Jones, and Crouch potentially, and the wings would be Hill and whether it's still Billings or whether someone like Gresham goes out there, um, and then you play the likes of Gresham in, in different sorts of roles. And um, but yeah, there's there's plenty of options that can can run through that part of the ground. But thoughts, Paige?
2: I was gonna say Jack Steel, Jack Steel, Jack Steele, but um, <laughs> getting three of them be great. Um, yeah. It, it, I think looking at depth now, it's, I think it's going to be a revolving door. I, I think they're going to be just the best thing. One of the best things you can do is keep having different players in coming through to middle during the game and make the opposition think about what's happening. Don't you turn around and all of a sudden there's another player behind you that wasn't there before. And you're thinking, Oh, what are we doing now? We don't know. So it just keep that, like the small forward midfield wing, just, just keep rolling and give, giving a different option and, and if something works really well, you stick with it a little bit. But then, obviously, you get out of it before the opposition works it out. What's happening? So yeah, yeah, the depth is really going to help us, I believe.
1: Yeah, I agree. I think we'll we'll see at times. I think even Hunter Clark might get some time on, on the wing as well. I think we know how how smooth and silky he can be, you know, kind of in, in those contested possessions and, and winning the ball. In the middle of the ground but he's equally as dangerous in open space with the ball in his hands able to hit up forward targets or or, or guys coming from the, the the forward 50. So I think we'll try and get the ball in guys like his hands and Caulfield's hands in, in open space and we might see Cofield push forward onto the, the wing and, and half forward a bit more often than we did last season. Um, Brad Hill obviously I think we're all expecting Brad Hill to have a, a bounce back year last year for a, a number of reasons multitude reasons. He he had a down year and, and was not kind of, I guess, what we expected out of our, our high-priced recruit. But um, I think we'll, we'll see him bounce back this season and, and he'll be a big part in in the improvement that the squad shows, in any any improvement that the squad shows. But you know we'll see guys like Crouch start on the wing. We'll see Zach Jones, I think, potentially use his pace on the wing as well at times. Um, and Gresham, like you said, getting Gresham back is going to be one of the big wins for, for this season. We missed him all second half of, of last year. And he was a big loss. He was a massive loss. Um, natural foot speed, skill, winning the ball, um, offensive-minded, you know, he, he was a huge loss. And, and he's like getting a new recruit again this season.
0: Yeah, he certainly is. And... um As we wrap things up, obviously, because he deserves that, certainly, but obviously taking a bit of time away from the club, and we know how difficult it's been for him over the last three years, basically. So we'll we'll certainly send those thoughts out. And obviously, I'll watch this space on Mason Wood, who who may end up at the club at at any moment on the list. The ex-Kangaroo, who's certainly got a little bit of talent. But guys, obviously, the team back uh, with the AFLW tomorrow, and then not too long before we start to sink our teeth into our trade period review and and look towards 2021. And Nick Dalsano will be our special guest on that episode as well. But uh, go Saints for tomorrow and we'll be back again real soon.